Welcome to the Dhamma Podcast. The audio that follows is an interview with Essien Goinka, performed by New Dimensions Radio in 2002. This podcast is sponsored by Pariyati, a nonprofit publisher that offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information regarding Pariyati, please go to www.pariyati.org. That is www.pariyati.org. For more information on Vipassana meditation as taught by S. Nguenka, including a schedule of courses offered throughout the world, please see www.dhamma.org. That is www.dhamma.org. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche and spirit and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. We all strive for happiness in our lives, yet inevitably along with the joys come sorrows. In truth, we have little, if any, control over what happens in our life, yet how we respond to what happens is entirely our choice. It is in the unconscious, habitual response to our world, through clinging or aversion to feelings, circumstances, or things, that we create suffering. According to the Buddha, the escape from suffering and the key to liberation is through the purification of the mind. Through a simple technique called Vipassana, one of India's most ancient meditation techniques, rediscovered by the Buddha 25 centuries ago, one can attain true peace of mind and contentment. Our guest today is world-renowned Vipassana meditation teacher, Satya Narayan Goenka, otherwise known as S.N. Goenka. A former Burmese businessman, who in search of a cure for severe migraine headaches discovered this ancient meditation practice. What he found was a discipline that not only alleviated his physical pain, but transformed his life. For more than 30 years, Mr. Gwanka has been teaching Vipassana meditation to people of all ages, races, and religions. This practice has also been brought into some of the world's harshest prisons with extraordinary results. Join us for the next hour for a dialogue with the renowned S.N. Goenka as we explore Vipassana meditation, the ancient path of inner peace through inner wisdom. My name is Jeff Westman. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. In the summer of 2002, S.N. Goenka toured across the United States giving lectures and Vipassana retreats. It was the first extended tour of its kind which brought the teaching to more than 30 cities. I had the opportunity to speak with him at his campsite just north of San Francisco. On approaching the campground, a flock of shimmering blue-green peacocks scuttled across the road. 
an auspicious sign. Mr. Goenka shared the story of how he came to discover the practice of Vipassana. Well, I was born in a very staunch, conservative Hindu family and had great misunderstandings about Buddha's teaching. In our tradition, that means Hindu tradition, we respect Buddha as an incarnation of God, Vishnu. But his teaching is not acceptable. So that was the conditioning of the mind. But it so happened that uh, I developed a very severe type of migraine headache. And uh, the doctors in Burma, I was born in Burma, which is Myanmar now. And the uh, best doctors there, they could not relieve me of that. There was no painkiller available and they used to give morphine injection. And in a few years they said I might become morphine addict. So I was advised to go around the world, which I used to go for my business, to see best doctors in the West. They may have some other painkiller. I tried my best, spent a lot of time in Switzerland, Germany, England, USA and Japan. The best doctors, nobody could liberate me from Morphia, migraine far away. So when I returned, a friend of mine, very close friend, he advised me to go to Vipassana for 10 days. He said, this is psychosomatic, and if the mind is calm and pure, I will get relieved from the disease. I was hesitating because my mind was conditioned against Buddhism. How could I go? I might become a Buddhist, things like that. But when I met my teacher, he was so saintly, and he told me that he will teach only morality, control of the mind, and purification of mind by insight. And no Hindu can have any objection to that. I said, yes, no objection. So, give a trial. So I decided to give a trial. And when I gave a trial, I realized this was so wonderful, because all these teachings were there in the tradition in which I was born, but there was no practice. No practice which takes to that depth. And within 10 days, morphia was gone, migraine was gone. That is a very minor gain. Actually, I was a very short-tempered person, ego-centered person, very hot-headed by this technique. A big change started coming. Since then, no looking back, I'm on the path. For the next 14 years, Mr. Goenka progressed in his practice while continuing his responsibilities as a householder, looking after his family and business. In 1969, his teacher, Sayagi Ubakin, appointed him as an authorized teacher of Vipassana and directed him to teach in India. Ten years later, in 1979, Mr. Goenka began to teach internationally to meet the growing interest in the technique. Vipassana, from the ancient Pali language, means insight or seeing things as they really are. Though based on Buddhist principles, the practice of Vipassana is completely congruent with other spiritual traditions. Here, Mr. Goenka cites the three principles that serve as the philosophical foundation of the practice, as taught by the Buddha. These are sila, samadhi, and panya, translated as morality, concentration, and wisdom. The teaching of Buddha but the sermons, as anybody can understand, was not something new for somebody who came from Hindu tradition, or I would say any tradition, because 
morality that means abstain from all kinds of vocal or physical action which will harm others which will hurt others which will disturb the peace and harmony of others that is called shila which hindus also agree and everybody every other religion agrees but for that they must be control of the mind and that is called samadhi that is also acceptable to others and the third is to purify the mind not just at the surface level but at the root level which is by insight wisdom of of one's own and called panya pragya or panya i found the teaching the same as in the tradition in which i was born but still it was something new because he went to that depth and he gave such a practical technique which was not available he discovered something new which was not in the tradition of any teaching in india at the time of buddha or before buddha there was teaching that uh, you should not react to the sensual objects like shape color coming in contact with the eyes sound coming in contact with the ear smell coming in contact with the nose taste coming in contact with the tongue tangible something tangible coming in contact with the body or a thought or emotion coming in contact with the mind don't react don't get indulged in that that teaching was already there and i had been uh, understanding that in my tradition but buddha to me it looked was a great super scientist he discovered something which was not available to the world he said you are not reacting to these outside objects this is apparent truth appears to be so but actually when outside objects come in contact with the sense door there is a feeling of sensation in the body and that sensation when you find it is pleasant then you react with craving if you find unpleasant then you react with aversion that missing link was discovered by buddha this feeling of sensation on the body was such a great discovery of buddha which makes one understand at the experiential level that here lies the cause of our misery and here lies a way to come out of the misery that was a wonderful contribution of buddha to the world you see when you practice vipassana you start first to sharpen your mind by making it one pointed concentration and he gave a wonderful technique your own respiration natural normal respiration and keep your attention at the entrance of the nostrils and keep on feeling the natural breath coming in going out coming in going out no verbalization no visualization no imagination no speculation no imposition of this philosophy or that philosophy breath as breath because you are making an investigation of this mind matter phenomena how it is working how mind is influencing the body every moment how the body is influencing the mind every moment that was again a great discovery of this person when the mind gets concentrated to one pointed in this technique as i learned and as i am teaching now for 3 days one has to work continuously and working on it the mind becomes very sharp very subtle very sensitive that beside then besides the breath one starts feeling some other physical sensations on this area at the entrance of the nostrils above the upper lip 
mind has become so sharp from the fourth day onwards you start feeling sensations from the top of the head to the tips of the toes throughout the body every moment there is some sensation or the other pleasant unpleasant neutral every part of the body every particle of the body every atom of the body that is what he realized and that is what he explained to the people you must reach that stage where you can feel body sensations throughout the body and then you see how at the depth of the mind one keeps on reacting to these sensations pleasant sensation craving unpleasant sensation aversion this habit pattern is so strong and it makes you miserable every time you react with craving you will notice you lost the balance of your mind you lost the peace of your mind harmony of your mind similarly every time you react with aversion you lost the balance of your mind peace of your mind harmony of your mind you are a miserable person this is where the misery starts of course at a very gross level birth is misery old age is misery illness is misery death is misery coming in contact with something undesirable is a misery getting disassociated with something desirable is a misery expecting something craving for something and not getting fulfilled is a misery all those miseries are there he explained that but then he said deeper at a very deeper level this mind and matter the combination of the mind and matter and tremendous amount of attachment towards this mind and matter i i mind mind this is the real misery which nobody before buddha at the time of buddha could not go to that depth and understand how the mind and matter all the time they are in contact and they generate some sensation or the other and we keep on reacting and we do not know what's happening deep inside we always play our game with the conscious mind coming in contact with the outside world or the thoughts again but not going to the depth and he gave this technique to go to the depth where every time there is a sensation and the habit pattern is to react and it teaches not to react remain equanimous just observe just observe objectively without identifying yourself with these sensations as i or mine without identifying yourself with this physical structure or the mental structure as i or mine no i no mine the sensation is sensation just observe and understand that is not eternal any sensation that arises is not going to last forever a very gross solidified intensified unpleasant sensation arises seems to stay for some time but sooner or later passes away it doesn't stay forever one reaches to the stage where this gross sensation get dissolved and there are mere vibrations 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 wavelets wavelets very pleasant a flow of very pleasant sensation throughout the body there also the characteristic remains the same arising passing arising passing now with great rapidity so this habit of the mind and matter constantly arising passing arising passing constantly there is a flux there is a flow that one has to experience if one just say i understand now at the intellectual level or i accept it because buddha said so so at the emotional or devotional level i accept doesn't work he wanted to experience that 
And when you start experiencing, then the truth becomes clear. This is misery. Whenever I react to this with craving or aversion, and I don't craving to aversion or craving without said object, it appears to be so. Actually, I am reacting to these sensations. Anything happens outside, comes in contact with the sense door, and there is sensation. If I give valuation to the outside object as good, there is a pleasant sensation. If the valuation is given bad, then unpleasant sensation. After that only, the reaction starts. And after that only, the misery starts. It all happens so quickly, but still, one has to go to the depth and realize this truth. And when you start realizing it, then the habit pattern starts changing. Very angry person, like my case and so many other cases, how they change? Not by sermons, not by just understanding what Buddha said or any other religion says. Not that, by experience. You're listening to an interview with S.N. Goenka, the foremost teacher of the ancient meditation technique of Vipassana. My name is Jeff Westman. You're listening to New Dimensions. You're listening to New Dimensions. My guest is Vipassana meditation teacher S.N. Goenka. A very great contribution of Buddha, which was not found anywhere else. When he says, you can't harm anybody without first harming yourself. A great declaration of a great scientist. You can't harm anybody. You harm by vocal unwholesome action. You harm by physical unwholesome action. You may kill somebody, you may steal something, you have sexual misconduct, you have uh, speak lie and try to deceive others, you say harsh words, all those things. You can't have that without generating some impurity or the other in the mind. How can you kill somebody? You have to generate anger, hatred, ill will, animosity, then only you kill somebody. And moment you generate that, you start suffering. Before you kill that person, you start suffering. You steal something, you can't do that without generating greed. And when you generate greed, you lose the balance of your mind. You are a disturbed person inside. Sexual misconduct, you have to generate tremendous amount of passion, lust, and you lose again the balance of your mind. Vocal action, anything that you do, some impurity or the other first arises, and then only there is unwholesome vocal action, unwholesome physical action. So, Buddha says, Pubbe hanati attanang pacha hanati so pare. First you harm yourself and then you harm others. First you kill the peace and harmony of yourself, then only you kill the peace and harmony of others. A statement which is so true, it was not that he created something, he discovered something. The sensations he didn't create. This is there all the time. How misery starts at the level of sensations. That was a great discovery by him. That's why I call him a very super scientist, a great super scientist of the field of spirituality. And really, it was a, a, a science which he talks in the language of science, everything. Buddha or no Buddha, he says, the law of nature is always there. 
Just experience. This, this experience. Because you don't experience, I don't know what is happening within you. And he gave a technique by which one can experience and come out of the misery. And this is what is being taught. People get result here and now. The practice of Vipassana is now being taught worldwide in more than 60 countries. The 10-day courses are taught for no fee and consist of rigorous silent meditations. Mr. Goenka explains the importance of the 10-day retreat. About 100 years back, this process was taught to the people who could spare one and a half months. One and a half months. Not less than that. And in this today's fast life, one and a half month, if they maintain this one and a half month, I would have lost it, missed it, because so difficult for people to spare one and a half month. So they reduced to one month, 15 days, 10 days. Yes, you get the rough outline and then you can proceed yourself. Less than that, people don't get. They don't go to that, that depth. Of course, if one just observes the breath and feels sensations like gross sensation here, there, there, this does not take us to the depth. He has given good explanation of the path. Initially, you feel very gross sensations arising after some time passing away, arising, passing away. But as you keep on observing objectively, objectively, the law of nature is such, mind becomes so sharp. So dividing, dissecting, disintegrating, the entire structure becomes mere wavelets, wavelets. That you call bhanga, dissolution. The entire mind and matter combination must get dissolved, mere vibration, mere vibration. That was another great discovery when he said the entire universe is nothing but vibration, vibration. And you have to experience that vibration. You have to reach that stage. When you reach that stage, mind has become very calm. Then any disturbance in the mind will warn you, look, you are doing something wrong. You have generated defilement. That's why, look, this is happening. This is happening. It becomes so clear. So, 10 days, less than 10 days, we have tried. Just to please the customers, one can say, all right, come, come. I'll teach you in one day. I'll teach you in two days. I'll give you this instruction. Morning, you go and practice at your home. People may get some superficial uh, benefit by that. But the real teaching of Buddha, where he wants you to go to the depth of the mind and see how misery arises and how you can come out of it, how you can change the habit pattern at the root level, that is missing. In 1975, the seeds of an ambitious social project were planted when Vipassana courses were held inside the Jaipur Central Jail and Jaipur Police Academy in India. From the successes of this project, the Indian government recommended Vipassana as a reform measure for all jails. The course is now being taught in prisons in the United States, including the North Rehabilitation Facility in Seattle. They are miserable people. Partly because they are away from their family, they are away from the comforts of their house. That is one. But I tell them that you are also a prisoner of your own unwholesome habit pattern deep inside. And in prison, you keep on generating more and more misery for you. So when the course is given there, in a few days or after one or two courses, they start experiencing sensations throughout the body. And then I ask them, what sort of thoughts are coming in your mind? And all the time, most of these prisoners inside, they have negative thoughts. When I go out, I will take revenge. That fellow gave witness against me. That police, policeman, I will take revenge. That judge, I will take revenge. I will kill. All those negative thoughts are there. And then when they see, I tell them, what is happening in your body? See what sensation? 
burning sensation, lot of tension. What you are doing? You are harming yourself. You might kill or might not kill when you go out after ten years or twenty years, but you are killing yourself now. This is the law. This is the truth. And they start realizing it. They start coming out of it. In a few courses time, ten day, two course or three course, we find a big change. Even in the first course, change starts. So there's a result here and now. So the government in India has given instruction to all the prisoners: the pashna must be taught in the prisoners. We can't supply teachers. We have to get so many teachers. I have trained about seven hundred teachers to go around the world and teach, and yet the demand is so much. And now at USA also they have started. A common challenge for participants of any extended healing retreat is retaining the benefits of the retreat after returning to the stresses and distractions of our everyday life of relationships, family, work, etc. For many, this reentry can be disillusioning and discouraging. This is because you are you are working at the surface level of the mind. Even if you don't have any practice, you go for a holiday at a seashore or a, or a hill station. For ten days, and you come back, you feel very fresh. But how long? Again, you are in that same turmoil, and you are the same miserable person. Similarly, you have some kind of technique of meditation to calm down the mind. Yes, it calms down, but where? Only on the surface of the mind. It purifies also surface of the mind. Deep inside, it keeps on boiling. The process is going on. If you go there and start purifying yourself at that stage, then. Again, you come to the world, and still there are difficulties outside. But you have got a technique. A situation is a reason, and usually you used to react with anger. Now also you react with anger, but how quickly you realize? Oh, look, what sensation I am having! And then you are taking away that anger from the root level because you are working with the sensation. If you are just saying your intellect just says, "Oh no, anger is not good. You are harming yourself. You are harming others." Ego is not good. This is not good. That is not good. Yes, that gives good result, temporary good result, and you are again same. Here, also you have to keep on working, but you are working at the depth of the mind, at the root of the mind, where the impurity starts and where the misery starts, and that habit pattern is broken. It suggests a kind of vigilance that one well, must well, you have to be maintain. Always careful about yourself. You are always aware of what is happening outside. You have to be aware of things happening outside, but you miss what is happening inside. So it's not the total truth; it is half truth. Half truth is distorted truth. When you see both outside, such thing has happened, and deep inside, what is happening? Then totality is before you, and all your decisions are good decisions. Considering the differences between Eastern and Western cultures, I asked Mr. Gwanka if there were any challenges unique to Westerners engaging in a vipassana practice, especially given the external distractions and stimuli in this culture. Whatever distraction at the external world, maybe more, maybe less, doesn't matter. But the impact at the depth of the mind is the same. So although there is big, big distraction outside. But you are at the depth of your mind; things are distracting you, and you know what's happening deep inside. You can again calm down. Things are disturbing you. Again, calm down. So all sensations, in a sense, are equal in that regard. It makes no difference. Human being is human being. Yeah. It doesn't make any difference. Even in the East, certain very traumatic things happen. You react in the same way as you react here. 
now this uh, terrorist and all that is going on, it is equally frightening to the people here as it is frightening in the East. Sure. What makes the difference? Sure. And this technique will take the fear out. The moment fear arises and insecurity arises for the future, you start observing what sensation you have. Words of Buddha, a great scientist, that nothing can arise in the mind without a sensation on the body. This is again a great discovery of Buddha. Nothing can arise in mind without a sensation on the body. So a fear is a reason. A fear of insecurity is a reason. There must be a sensation on the body. And a good Vipassana meditator accepts that there is fear. At this moment, there is fear in my mind. Let me see what sensation. And because a good meditator observing the sensation understands this is not permanent, arising, passing, arising, passing. Fear related to this sensation is also not permanent. Let me see how long it lasts. Let me see how long it lasts. It cannot overpower you. It becomes weaker, weaker, weaker and passes away. This is a great uh, contribution of Buddha to the world. But unfortunately, it was lost. It was uh, in the country of origin for about 500 years or so. Then it got lost there. It went to different neighboring countries. There also it got lost. Only one country, neighboring country, Myanmar, they maintained it in a pristine purity from teacher to pupil, teacher to pupil. Very few people. Others were all involved in different things. Of course, in the name of Buddha teaching, of course, they are good. Nothing wrong, but surface level. To go to that depth, very few people they maintain. And so we are getting it in its pure form. And it is helping. It hasn't changed in all I don't. Centuries. I don't think it has changed because now we have all the words of Buddha, about 15,000 pages, and commentaries, sub-commentaries, another 35,000 pages. All, all of that is put in CD, and there is a process of uh, research in there. And we find every word he said tallies with this technique. When the technique is not there, or the, uh, or the words are not there, then one cannot be sure. But when the technique is there, then you see, oh, this is what Buddha said. Oh, this is what he wanted us to do. And this is what we are doing. So it's so clear, it is, so, it is maintained pure. Otherwise, it won't tell you with the words of Buddha. It reminds me of the, uh, the mystical tradition of Christianity, which got separated from the teachings, you know, the scriptures. And when you put the two together, you have something all the more active and alive that resonance exactly, with the teachings. Exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, it is just an intellectual game and yes. intellect has its own limitation. Experience has no limitation. When you go deep inside, no limitation. You'll go deeper, deeper, deeper. But intellect, you've got certain limitation. And now I understand, yes, yes, it's logical. And I understand. You're not understood, actually, unless you experience it. So practice is very important to understand the words of the enlightened person. I'm speaking with S.N. Goenka, world-renowned teacher of Vipassana meditation, the ancient technique of inner peace through inner wisdom. My name is Jeff Westman. You're listening to New Dimensions. You're listening to New Dimensions. My name is Jeff Westman. 
My guest is S. N. Goenka, the world's foremost teacher of the ancient meditation technique of Vipassana. We spoke during his tour of North America during the spring and summer of 2002. Because of its non-sectarian approach, Vipassana is open to individuals from all races and religions. The underlying premise of the technique is that we are all human, sharing the same problems, and the path to be free of suffering is the same for all. This idea of one path is known as Dhamma or Dharma in Buddhism. It is a concept that is often misunderstood. Dhamma is Dharma, and again, it has become corrupted, especially in my country, where you say Hindu Dharma, Buddhist Dharma, Christian Dharma, Islam Dharma. It is wrong. The word Dharma means a way of life, a way of Good life according to the law of nature. The word dharma means nature, truth. So the law of nature is that you keep your mind pure. This is the law of the nature. If you break this law, you will be punished and punished here and now. If you maintain the law, if you are a law-abiding citizen, you get reward here and now. And that one, one starts experiencing. I have broken the law. I have generated defilement in my mind. The nature wants, or the God wants, whatever you call, purity of the mind, and I have, I have broken the law. I have generated impurity. One becomes so miserable. Punishment is there, then and there. Punishment is there. When that defilement goes away, mind is again pure. One experiences so much of peace, so much of harmony. So reward is there, then and there. This is dharma. Understand the law, universal law of nature, and live in line with this law. You are a happy person, liberated person, but this is not understood. Now the rites, the rituals, ceremonies—that has become dharma. Every religion in the world, worth the name, at the core level, essence level, the same thing is there. Live a moral life with pure mind, full of love, compassion, goodwill. But the outer shell, surface of the shell, is always different. This right, that right, this ritual, that ritual, this ceremony, that ceremony, this belief, that belief, is different. Let people be happy with their own belief, their own rights, ritual. But don't forget this essence. The difficulty comes when you forget the essence and keep giving importance to this outer shell, and this outer shell becomes religion, which is not religion. Religion is the inner essence, and this is dharma. Inner essence is dharma, dhamma, but the outer surface which differs. One should be happy with that. I perform this rite. I am very happy. I perform this ceremony. I am very happy. All right, be happy, but don't forget your assam. Don't forget dharma. Since the tragic events of September 11th, 2001, many have struggled with the question of how to respond to the violence and the threat of terrorism without creating more violence, more anger, and more fear. I asked Mr. Goenka if Vipassana offered a solution to this problem. When there is terrorism, innocent people are being killed. So much of inhuman actions are being taken. It is the duty of the state, the government, to protect their people. That they have to do. But there also, when a strong action is taken against anybody, this technique teaches that you first observe yourself. 
somebody is doing something wrong and if you say, I am a Vipassana irritator, doesn't matter, he will suffer for his own karmas. Doesn't help. You have to stop this person to harm others. If we are not stopping this person harming others, we are supporting this person. He will keep on harming, keep on harming. So as a state, it is the duty to stop. But the leaders of the state, if they learn this technique, then they will observe, just for a few seconds, my mind is now equanimous. I observe sensations and I am not reacting to it. Now whatever action I take is not a reaction, it is an action. And very strong action. Having compassion for these people, this person is also ignorant, he doesn't know, he is harming himself and harming others. He can't kill others without generating impurity in the mind, a miserable person, and making others miserable. So I have to take strong action because soft action doesn't work. For others who are terrified now, Vipassana is again very helpful. These terrorists want that the entire people, they get very much terrified and then kneel down before them, all that, whatever you say, we agree because you are so much afraid. The technique says, don't be afraid. You keep on observing, there is fear, you keep on observing, there is fear and sensations, you come out of sensation and you are fearless. Let things happen. You are fearless. But with fear, you are spoiling the whole atmosphere around you. So technique helps those people who are full of fear because such a inhuman thing has taken place and it may take place again anytime. So the fear is there. How to come out of that fear? And the state has to take action with a balanced mind, with compassion, but very strong action. This is the only solution. And slowly, these people also will start understanding, especially in the prisons we find, very hard criminals, people who are done murders, and how they change. It is, it is a government's work, we cannot see anything, but those people who are now out of this uh, terrorist, who are now in prison, have been taken in prison. If not all, if some of them start practicing this, a change will come in them and then the word will start spreading amongst them. Oh, there is something good, what we are doing? Every religion, now they are fighting in the name of religion. Fanatics in the name of their own religion. They want everybody to be converted to their religion. There's the madness. And when they start observing, they find that, oh, my religion, I have not understood my religion. My religion says so. My religion says so. Every religion teaches morality. Every religion teaches purity of mind, love, compassion, goodwill. They start realizing. And a big change has come. A number of terrorists in the, in the prisons. This is how the work can start. On the one hand, there is a mass of terrorism. On the other hand, the Dhamma should start in more and more people and it will start entering these terrorists also and they will realize that we are wrong, we are wrong. Many of these terrorists in the jail, there was a sick terrorism in India and uh, I remember one of them in the course, he started realizing what we are doing. We, are, we have not understood Guru Nanak's the, the words, his teaching and we are going on the wrong path. And within a year or so, he was so very much changed. He was never given any parole to go out of the jail. But because the officers found a big change came in him, so they gave him 15 days 
parole. And he says, I won't go to my members of the family. He went to the hardcore of these terrorists to go and tell them that we are wrong. And he told me that if I go there, they might kill me even. Because when I talk anything against what they are doing, and they say that uh, I have been brainwashed by, by the government or something, I might be killed. But I don't care. I'll go there. And he went there. Explain them. I do not know how many were influenced, but slowly, in, in a year or two, the terrorism of the six went away. Not that this was the only reason, but this was one of the reasons. So like this, good things can also spread. Now bad things are spreading in the name of religion. Good things are spread also in the name of purity of the mind, which is uniform, universal, everywhere the same, in every religion. This is what these people, terrorists, start understanding. That what we are calling my religion, my religion is only outer shell. Inside is the same, whether it is Islam or whether it is Christianity or Hindu. Every religion has the same thing. The word Islam means peace. When two Muslims meet, they say, Salam alaikum, may peace be to you. And other replies, Wa alaikum Islam, may peace be to you. Look, the Dharma, Dharma says peace. And what is happening? Because they give importance only to the outer shell. Not only Muslim, don't blame, don't blame them. Every religion has become corrupted because the outer shell has become so important. The inner essence, they talk of inner essence. Everybody will talk of inner essence, but nobody will practice. That is the essence. That is what dharma is. And that is what Buddha emphasized. Nothing, nothing else except morality, control of mind, and purification of mind. Do you think we're born pure, and if so, where do these impurities begin? It is beginning every moment. So somebody says, when it started, we can't. Can't, we can't go to that. Because every moment, every moment impurity starts because of ignorance. One does not know what is happening and what one is doing deep inside. And of course, according to the enlightenment of Buddha, and according to people who reach the higher stage, there is a constant flow coming from behind. So life after life, life after life, the continuation is there. And every moment, either you add something more in it or you take out something from it. Every moment there is this process going on. And most of the time you keep on giving input, input of misery, input of defilement. You get this practice. You take out that impurity. Take out, And you reach the stage where the mind is very pure. To get that stage, one has to work. It doesn't happen with the grace of somebody or mercy of somebody. It just happens by your own practice. Somebody can show you the path and you have to walk on that. This is what Buddha kept on emphasizing. I cannot liberate you. You have to liberate yourself. I can just show you the path. And that is the correct thing. One can show the path only. How young might one begin this practice then? Well, I say before birth. The, the before practice. birth, yes, well, I mean practice. The yes, of yes, yes, yes. In the when the pregnant mother come to the course, I see. She is working not only for herself; she is working for the child also. Yes. When she is working to purify the mind, generate love, compassion, goodwill, those vibrations are there with the child, and this child when comes out is a dhamma child, dhamma baby, so peaceful. So now number of pregnant women are coming to the courses for that purpose. At the stage of pregnancy, if the mother keeps on generating impurity, anger, hatred, passion, lust, what message we are giving to this child? We are giving only misery as an inheritance. And poor child, the whole life, he will be in misery. So it must be before birth, I say. But after that, at the age of seven or so, we start teaching the first step 
just breath, that's all. But when they become adults, 16, 17, we teach the whole 10 day course. And many schools are made compulsory, many colleges are made compulsory, and a very good result is coming. The memory becomes so sharp. And the understanding of the subject that is being taught becomes so clear. And of course, the character building is there from, the, from this age, so that the whole future life is so good for them. I'm speaking with S.N. Goenka, the foremost teacher of Vipassana meditation. We spoke during his tour of North America in the summer of 2002, the first extended tour of its kind, which brought the teaching to more than 30 cities. In a moment, we'll continue our exploration of this ancient meditation technique that promotes inner peace through inner wisdom. My name is Jeff Westman. You're listening to New Dimensions. As a practical method for achieving a pure mind through awareness and equanimity, the natural consequence of Vipassana should be a more peaceful and happy life. Here, Mr. Goenka discusses how the practice of Vipassana can also prepare us for death and the inevitable process of dying. You see, the death is bound to come, now or later on. And all the time people are fearing, fearing death, fearing death. When observing this reality inside, every moment the birth takes place and dies, every moment one takes birth and dies, takes birth and dies, and one becomes so fearless, one is ready for the death. When the death comes, Vipassana meditators, as far as information we get, at the time of death, one is neither unconscious, nor crying, nor fearful. There are cases, about 20 or so, where we got information of Terminal cases of cancer. Cancer is so painful. And terminal case, unbearable pain. They don't take any sedative. And keep on observing. And smilingly they pass away. Smilingly, without any fear. It's an art of dying. Vipassana is the art of dying. But for that you must learn the art of living. Yes. If you learn art of living, then art of dying will automatically come. Death is no problem for a Vipassana meditator. will never fear. Because fearless. It doesn't come with any preconceptions about what death is going to be or what's beyond death. You see, if you are correcting your present, the future will be automatically correct. Future is a product of the present, as present is the product of the past. So now I am correcting my present. I am very happy, peaceful. All my future will be happy and peaceful. After death also, it will be only happy and peaceful. There will be promotion. There can't be a demotion. If my mind is always generating nothing but misery, 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 there will be demotion after death. Because that habit pattern will take me to the lower field of unhappiness. And when mind is purer, 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 automatically it will get elevated 
to the higher fields. Just law of nature. Nobody will come and interfere that at the time of death you must go to hell or you must go to heaven. Nothing doing. The law works. This is what we call dharma. The dharma works. The law of nature is such. One who starts practicing and understanding dharma will never fear the death. Let it come this moment. So what? I am ready for it. Why fear? So this fear should go away from the minds of the people. This is the, the this will be the victory over these terrorists. If there is no fear, then their purpose is not served. They want to generate fear so that people accept whatever they say. So fearlessness is a very good product of this technique. Tens of thousands of school children in India have been taught the breath meditation that is the first step of Vipassana. Both parents and teachers report improved concentration and decreased discipline problems among children, demonstrating Vipassana's capacity to transform the human mind and character. I asked Mr. Goenka if in his years of experience with Vipassana, had he discovered any new capacities of mind and body? For me, any supernatural power that comes are harmful. Then ego arises, look, I've got this supernatural power. We don't give importance to that, even if it comes. Don't give any importance. The only importance that is to be given, how much purity has come in the mind. Previously, I was facing the world, the outside situation, and I used to react. And now, now also, even if I react, is the period of reaction the same as before? Or the depth of the reaction is same as before? Or there is a change coming in, coming in it? That is the way to reach my progress, to understand my progress. And the final progress of, will be, of course, where there is no more defilements. Mind is totally pure. And it takes time. But slow and steady, you reach the goal. Even in that pure state, though, would perhaps... Uh maybe a stronger sense of intuition or greater creative capacity. Actually, that comes not at the stage of ultra-pure stage, even as you start. As you start, you will find your capacity to work has increased. And your decisions are right decisions and quick decisions. And that is why people who, are, who have got responsibility in life, like in my case, I was a businessman and uh, industrialist, my capacity to work increased. Previously, I used to work for eight hours and feel so fatigued, exhausted. And after that, I find ten hours, twelve hours, still I am so fresh. I keep on working. So my business increased, my turnover increased, my profits increased, and my peace increased. Living a life was so peaceful, so happy. So it is for everyone who has got any responsibility in life. Chief executives of the business industry, they are coming to the courses. Now there was, uh, they called me, there was a spirituality in business. There was a conference in New York. And I was the keynote speaker there. They invited me. A number of these business people are coming in the courses in India and other places also. They get good results. That's why they are coming. Otherwise, such busy people, how will they spend 10 days? Impossible. Because they find good result. And now government of India, government of states in India, they are sending their officers to these 10-day courses. 14 days leave with pay, any officer can go to Vipassana. And they are coming in large numbers because their capacity to work increases. They've got so much responsibility and so much pressure. More the responsibility, more pressure, more tension. And when the mind is full of tension, 
you are not sure that you are making good decision. Most of the time, decision is not good. Your mind is so confused. Now the mind is tranquil, transparent. The problem comes, you go to the depth of the problem and you find a solution. Quick decision, right decision, better results, good administrators. Those who have got responsibility, it is very essential. And it, it is giving result. In every field, doctors are coming, engineers are coming, lawyers are coming, judges are coming, professors are coming, and poorest and totally illiterate people are coming. It is for all. Makes no difference. Human being is human being. Everyone needs it. And everyone gets the same, same result because the same technique is there. Everyone has to work the same way. Not an intellectual game. It is something to be experienced. You keep on working, you experience, you experience. Totally illiterate person also will experience the same thing and come out of the misery. These very, uh, very poor people, poorest of the poor in India, they come to the courses. Although they are very poor, whatever small wages they get, part of that goes away in alcohol, part of that goes away in gambling. And by this technique, within 10 days or 2-10 days, they are totally out of it. Because the addiction is not the addiction to gambling or the addiction to alcohol. Addiction is to the sensations. When you take alcohol, there is a particular sensation in the body and the depth, the mind at the depth starts liking it. You want it more, you want it more, you want it more, you take alcohol. And you want to gamble, you want to gamble, you, t you gamble. So that sensation, when they start observing sensation, they are coming out of it. So the poorest of poor also get benefit from this. Not only that he is coming out of misery, but also coming out of this bad habit, which make them poorer, further poorer. And they are getting benefit. So it is good for poorest and it is good for the, for the richest. Billionaires have come to the course also. And these very poor people have come. Professors of the universities have come to the courses and totally illiterate are coming. Government officials are coming and the peons in their own office are also coming. And in India, another difficulty is this caste system, high caste, low caste, touchable, untouchable. All are coming. Whether it's untouchable or touchable, they all sit together, meditate together, eat together. So this differentiation between black and white and yellow and brown goes away. Difference between male and female goes away. Human mind is human mind. Difference between this caste or that caste goes away. This uni universal unity, because man, human being is human being, human mind is human mind. And so much of love, so much of compassion, so much of cooperation. A big change comes. Although after centuries this has arisen, it will take time to spread. But it will spread because result-oriented. Because scientific, no blind faith. Not because Buddha said so, you must accept it. Nothing doing. Not that if you pray to Buddha, Buddha will liberate us. Nothing doing. You have to liberate yourself. And this is the way, an exercise of the mind, to come out of your misery. Anybody who practices will get the same result. Thank you, Kankiji. <laughs> Sadhu, be happy. Be happy. I've been speaking with Satya Narayan Goenka, the renowned teacher of Vipassana meditation in the tradition of the Venerable Lady Sayada. For more information on the work of S.N. Goenka, Vipassana retreats, and Vipassana centers throughout the world, visit www.dhamma.org. That's www.dhamma.org. You can also contact the Vipassana Meditation Center in Shelburne, Massachusetts, at 
Colrain-Shelburne Road. That's 386-C-O-L-R-A-I-N-S-H-E-L-B-U-R-N-E Road. Shelburne, Massachusetts, 01370-9672. Or call 413-625-2160. That's 413-625-2160. Special thanks to Roger Barr for his help in making this program possible. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in San Francisco, California, USA, and is made possible by listener contributions and by the membership support of Friends of New Dimensions. If you'd like to connect with us on the Internet, our website address is newdimensions.org. Executive producer and director is Michael Toms. Managing producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Senior producer is Neil Harvey. Producer and editor for this program, Jeff Westman. Assistants to the director are Beck Kagiyama and Rose Holland. Director of Affiliate Services is Dave Drysdale. Announcers are Catherine Vibert and Dan Drazen. My name is Jeff Westman. On behalf of the New Dimensions radio staff and all those who are members of Friends of New Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations, I'm wishing you a peaceful life. This is program number 2948. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. Since 1973, New Dimensions Radio has produced programming covering the history of the future. For more information and a complimentary copy of the New Dimensions newsletter, or to order an audio copy of today's program using American Express, Visa, Discover, or MasterCard, call 1-800-388-8273. That's 1-800-388-TAPE. Or visit our website, newdimensions.org.